This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Thursday, May the 2nd. I'm your host, D.A. And one of the big stories of this week, sports radio-wise, was longtime New York sports radio host and one of the icons of the industry, Mike Francesa, calling up the morning show on his own station and getting angry with the hosts. We played that here on Around the Dial earlier in the week, one of those hosts was Boomer Esiason, former NFL MVP quarterback. And so Boomer dropped by the score in Chicago on McNeil and Parkins and discussed just how bizarre the culture of sports radio truly is. I couldn't imagine another business that is riddled to the degree ours is, Boomer, with fragility and insensitivity and just an overall paranoia that... The average listener wouldn't even get if we could share everything with them. Can you think of another business? Have you ever encountered anything as weird as this stuff we do? I, I don't know. I, I was in an NFL locker room for 14 years. That place isn't all that secure either. I can tell you that, especially with the uh, the coaches that I had. They're always looking over their shoulders, looking to, to be fired, and somebody else to take their jobs. But uh, yeah, you know, the culture of our business is kind of swarming. There's no question about that. It is kind of a it can be at times a sewer pit if you really want, if you really allow it to be. Uh, Gio and I have a lot of fun in New York City. Uh, our morning show is uh, not your average sports talk morning show. There's a lot of laughs, a lot of gags. We're not afraid to take shots at other people on the station, including our afternoon host who's been here uh, forever. So if you know if he makes a mistake or we think he makes a mistake, we're not afraid to call him out on it, and he's certainly not afraid to call us. On it either, uh, I guess, given uh, the history of uh, what has happened uh, between our two shows over the last 11 or so years. So uh, it's all in good fun. I think it, it drives ratings. It makes people crazy. Uh, Gio and I hosted a big thing for the NYPD Foundation last night. There were over 2,000 people, cops uh, from all different agencies here in New York City. And there wasn't a person who didn't hear what happened on our station yesterday between us and our afternoon guy, Mike Francesa. So the popularity is there. The, the ratings are there. The edginess is there. But so is the swarminess and some sometimes a sewer pit of uh, uh, airing of, uh, of dirty laundry sometimes. Are the hallways comfortable? <laughs> you know, we, the good thing about us is that we get in around 5 in the morning and we're out of there by about 10, 30, 11. So we never, ever really cross paths with anybody. And it's pretty much a very quiet station when we're there. Everybody seems to get along. It's, uh, you know, it's later on in the afternoon when things get a little bit dicey and uh, people can get yelled at from time to time. It puts the station, when these sort of things happen, in, in a great position, really, because you become as, par- as important 
to your audience as the teams you're talking about. I mean, you get guests who are calling who are curious. I Sox general manager Kenny Williams sent me roses after a suspension once because of all the show <laughs> conflict we were having. Yeah. Now, now a run ago here, this is my third run at this place, a Boomer, and the five years between 09 and 14 were, were the worst. It'll never get that bad again. Every show was on an island. Uh, it was the second biggest reason I left for a few years, and they wouldn't let us talk about it. That's what was so suffocating. If you're going to have it, you might as well share it if people are going to act like petulant eight-year-olds. Well, I mean, yeah, no question. I mean, did you ever have a, a partner arrested by the FBI while you were on the air with a camera in your face? <laughs> not yet. I may have no, the right yet. partner okay, well, for that. Oh, thanks, well, Mac. That never happens to you or your partner, but I can tell you I've been through a lot here over the last 11 years at this station i will say that i i firmly believe that i have the greatest job in new york city you know i'm the, I'm the guy along with my partner greg giannotti we get up in the morning we're the first guys to talk about what happened the night before we set the narrative we set the tone we get to talk about so many different teams so many different issues and when our team is under a uh, fire like we have been probably for the good you know last year and a half given all the things that have gone on at wfn and you know there's a there's a a petulant, pesky, I guess, uh, contributor, or not contributor, but uh, competitor in ESPN here locally between Mike and uh, Michael K, the, the, the voice of uh, the New York Yankees on ESPN, <laughs> so which makes it even that much more flavorful. And that's exactly what New York is. We all have opinions. We all are not afraid to espouse those opinions. And sometimes we rub people uh, the wrong way, and sometimes we even rub those we work with the wrong way. So it's part of the business, and it's something that I've become to accept. Yeah, I would say craziness, ridiculousness, insecurity, that's all pretty much the way that it goes. Traits that you're never going to be able to shake in the industry of sports talk radio, which makes around the dial really so much more entertaining, doesn't it? Knowing that you have these bombastic personalities and these crazy opinions willing to fight with anyone and everyone all of the time. Why else would we listen why else would we do this? On to the sports. Donovan McNabb spent more than a decade in Philadelphia with Andy Reid. And Andy Reid right now faces a dilemma. He's got his superstar wide receiver Tyreek Hill facing domestic violence allegations and an investigation. Can the Chiefs afford to hold on to their dynamic playmaking wide receiver? Here's McNabb on with Show and Vern on Sports Radio's 610 in Kansas City. Is there any chance that Tyreek Hill remains on this team next year? You know, that's a tough decision, and obviously a sensitive subject uh, of the world today. And uh, I think first and foremost with Andy, uh, of how caring he is, he wants to make sure, obviously, uh, both parties are okay, meaning uh, uh, the female that's involved, the child that's involved, and obviously Tariq, um, I, I think that's one that he is he is focused on at this particular point. Is he takes football out of the equation because life is a little bit more important than sports. Uh, so he'll be he'll be making sure he's catering to obviously the situation, the young young child, uh, the mother, uh, and making sure that they're okay and 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 so on and so on. And then you know trying to figure out what's the next business move for for uh, Tariq and the Kansas City Chiefs and. You know, we all know last year they went through uh, an issue with, with Kareem Hunt uh, and didn't want that to uh, be a dark cloud over the organization, and I'm sure they'll do the same thing with this. But 
Uh, as far as decision is concerned, I can't really answer that or what decision they may make. But I think it will be the best decision for the organization. Donovan, I'm curious, a guy who was a leader in the league and generally the leader of his team, would you have any issues um, as a teammate playing with him following and learning all of these things that we've learned about Tyreek Hill? Well, I think one thing you, you have to get to know as a person, and I think for everyone on that football team, everything that I've heard uh, is that he's a great guy and, and one that, you know, you kind of take the situation out of, out of the equation and, and uh, focus on the person in general. And, and uh, I've heard nothing but positive things about him. Now, obviously everyone gets put themselves in different situations where it's not conducive to uh, everyone around them. And uh, it's a tough situation overall. And, and for players, uh, again, they'll be pretty much like, uh, like Andy and just making sure that the individuals involved are, are fine and uh, there's no wrongdoing in that aspect. And then, the, then from that point on, uh, they'll go along whatever decision that Andy makes that he feels is best for the organization. You know, part of me believes that the Chiefs are just going to wait to see how bad the investigation is, what it turns up, and what the NFL does. I mean, obviously, if Tyreek Hill gets into legal trouble and he's arrested and he goes to trial, and obviously if he's in jail or sentenced, then there's no decision to be made. He's not playing football. If the NFL goes hard on Tyreek Hill, probably, again, not much of a decision. But if he's not in trouble by the letter of the law and the NFL goes light because the evidence isn't strong enough against him, perhaps the Chiefs would just try to ride it out and wait it out because they just saw one of their stars, Kareem Hunt, be cut and then get picked up by their former GM, John Dorsey. Do they want to have that happen again? I don't know if they'll be able to withstand public pressure because the way that these things usually go is that the team that holds the, the players' rights has to show some level of apology for having those rights and release him, cut him, trade him, what have you. But we'll see if the Chiefs, if there's no heavy evidence against Tyreek Hill, will be forced to do that in the court of public opinion. In the court of public opinion, college basketball is dirty and corrupt in this FBI investigation showing that by the day, including Arizona's associate head coach caught on tape admitting that Sean Miller, the head coach, is paying $10,000 a month for DeAndre Ayton, formerly a couple of years ago, who ends up being the number one pick in the NBA draft for the Phoenix Suns. What happens now in Tucson? Here's Gary Parrish, longtime college basketball writer, on his show, 92.9 in Memphis. For a while now, and especially in recent days, Arizona fans, bless them, have been holding on to the idea that uh, listen, all we've got so far, as it relates to Sean Miller, is Christian Dawkins talking wild about Sean Miller. But Christian what Dawkins can't be trusted. He's a convicted felon. And I, I can acknowledge Christian Dawkins has credibility problems, um, and he is a convicted felon. But one of the points I've made over and over again that seems to make sense to everybody but Arizona fans is that if you think Christian Dawkins was just exaggerating his place in the sport um, and doing so by trying to create the perception that he was tight with Sean Miller and then he was telling stories about Sean Miller that are untrue. Like, if you think that's really what was happening here, why was he not doing it with anybody else? 
Like, why was it just Sean Miller? Like, he's you know, Christian Dawkins isn't only on a wiretap talking about Sean Miller. He's also talking about Rick Pitino. Now, Rick Pitino's a much bigger deal at the time and still today than Sean Miller. But Christian Dawkins isn't on the wiretap talking about, listen, I know Coach P, and Coach P has, you know, bought this player. You know what he's on the wiretap talking about, Rick Pitino? Yeah. Man, Rick Pitino don't know nothing about what's going on in his program. Right. He might be the one coach in America that don't know anything. He's on a wiretap also talking about Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo's a bigger deal than Sean Miller. You know yeah. what he says about Tom Izzo? I wanted Brian Bowen to go to Michigan State, but Tom Izzo told me they will not pay for him. <laughs> So, nice. so why is he not, if he's making up stories about right, Sean Miller, yeah. why is he not making up stories about everybody else? About these other dudes. Why doesn't he have, uh, Rick Pitino was buying players' right, stories. Right. And T- Tom Izzo was buying players' stories. And John Calipari was buying players' stories. He's if just he's, talking. He's just talking. And he's talking, <laughs> talking. The only head coach that he is putting out there like, I know this dude bought DeAndre Ayton, the only one is Sean Miller. Miller. But either way, Arizona fans are like, yeah, but it's just Christian Dawkins, what? whatever. Okay, well, now we got something different. <laughs> right. Now we got his right-hand man. Ten grand a His month. longtime assistant, Book Richardson. Book Richardson. Right. Saying, yes, Sean's paying DeAndre. Sean's deal is the DeAndre deal. Sean's handling that. Right. $10,000 a month. <laughs> and he's also taking care of Raleigh. Hawkins. Yep. Now, what, so what's Book Richardson's motivation here? Why, why would Book Richardson be saying this except for the obvious reason? Because it's true, and he was talking to somebody he trusted. He didn't know he was on a wiretap. Like, at this point, it is becoming impossible to believe that Sean Miller wasn't involved in level one rules violations. I mean, you just have to be... um, (laughs) It's just kind of silly. So blinded by fandom or not smart to actually believe uh, (laughs) Sean Miller... A, wasn't involved in these things, and B, didn't <laughs> e- even if he wasn't involved, B, didn't know that they were going on. Right. Again, just yesterday we found out in court that Will Wade tried to hire Book Richardson to help him buy Nas Reed. Yeah. Look, there's two ways we can do this in college basketball. Either we all admit that the entire system is corrupt and broken and dirty and there are no sacred cows, and even coaches like Coach K and programs like Duke are dirty just the same way because somehow they're landing the top-tier kids that are getting paid other places. Or we really try to crack down and say, okay, renegade programs, you can't do this anymore. And so Sean Miller's got to go, and Arizona's got to be paying a heavy punishment. But everything in between just seems like we're spinning our wheels and not really getting anywhere. In the NBA playoffs, we've got to wait until Saturday for the next installment of Rockets and Warriors. Houston trails two games to none. Now, they get to come back home to Houston, but does it matter? Here's the guys on Mad Radio on Sports Radio 610 in Houston discussing whether this series is already done. We all know the Rockets are down 2 nothing to Golden State in the Western Conference semis. Is the series over? No. No, no, no. Teams have come back from down two. Ronald's done it twice. Yeah, yeah, that, that part of it. Um... You know what's interesting to me, Mike? That you seem just all but 100% convinced that, that this is over. It's just strange to me because usually people don't get that level of conviction unless at least one of the games has been a blowout. Like both these games, both these games have come down to a couple possessions at the end. And I, look, the Warriors were the better team in both of them. I'm not saying that like it was an evenly fought battle, but the Rockets, playing as poorly as they have at times in these two games, and then also especially missing all that time with James Harden in Game 2, 
like these have been close enough at the end. So it's it just feels weird to me. And I feel like I feel like when we when we feel like the the series is over, you're basing that more on the historical Golden State Warriors than maybe the current this series Golden State Warriors. I, I said it was over yesterday. I changed my mind. Ah, it's not over because, because of my because of my arguments. Well, not exactly. I, I sent you a pamphlet afterwards. You're, I, I agree <laughs> with your point about not there not being blowouts. We we have not seen that like game three last year. Yeah. The reason why I feel like it's not over is I warged myself into being a Warriors fan. I, I thought about warg. Right, let's say yeah. Let, uh, let's say Mike Meltzer, Warriors fan. If a- if we were doing a show in the Bay Area, if we were all doing a show in the Bay Area, I if I were a Warriors fan. So you, you know you're pretending to be a Warriors fan. You're you're microdosing on LSD. Yes. And uh, and then what were you seeing? So I'd be very nervous about going to Houston because I was just thinking about what happened in the last series. The Rockets crush Utah twice. Mm-hmm. I know it's a different level of series, but they crush Utah twice. They barely edged out the Rockets. Uh, the Rockets barely edged out Utah in Game Three on the road. And even in that series, which was three nothing, Game Four, fourth quarter, it's basically tied. Utah goes on that big run, wins. And they are, they almost, Ricky Rubio had a three-pointer in game five last Wednesday that could have made it, you know, a 3-2 series. And that would have made the Rockets very, very uncomfortable. So you're coming back home, and if you find a way to get this game on Saturday, you're going to make Golden State feel a little bit nervous because they'll be thinking, hey, if we lose game four, all of a sudden game five at home there's some real pressure to get a win. And look, the environment that, that you can have in Toyota Center. Look, in the regular season, Toyota Center can be kind of a beating in the first quarter. We know that. Uh, game seven last year, like key players on the Warriors said that was one of the craziest environments they've seen. It was so, a good crowd. Like the, the Rockets Toyota Center environment versus the Warriors is a different story and in a different place. And I think that especially now, I'm, I'm really, really glad that there's going to be a few days between Game 2 and Game 3. Because I think fans I agree. fans needed some time to regroup. I don't think it's done because, as they just mentioned, the first two games weren't blowouts. Those are close games. The Rockets have a chance in both of those games at the end to make shots to tie or go ahead. And both are on the road. So if the Rockets can play like that on the road, then who's to say they can't come back home and get a pair of wins as well and knot this thing up at two games apiece, and then it becomes a best of three. I don't believe that it's over, but CP3 and James Harden, they got to get out of their own heads, got to get out of their own feelings because the way that it is now, it feels like the way that they lost, whether it's because of officiating or what have you, the Rockets are expecting something bad to happen and seem emotionally knocked down. That's not going to work if you want to try to beat the big, bad Golden State Warriors. When it comes to baseball, there hasn't been a lot to smile about in Baltimore land for a long time. Last World Series title was 1983. But how about trying to change that fortune by going to outer space? I'm sure plenty of Orioles fans have wished they were in outer space during some of these awful losses, brutal playoff series, and bad seasons. But one guy actually did it. Here's longtime Orioles fan Ricky Arnold, who's also a U.S. astronaut who brought an O's hat to space. He joined the Big Bad Morning Show on 106.7 The Fan in Baltimore. You had a really interesting life in general. I mean, he's a biology teacher, astronaut, been up in the space station. <laughs> you also served as an aquanaut, what I read, like exploring Is that the sea? guy that talks to the animals? That's, Aqu- <laughs> that's Aquaman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Aqu- yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, as part of our training, uh, we have the opportunity to go do some some strange things to get used to living in extreme environments. And uh, several years ago, I got to live underwater on a ten day mission um, in off the coast of Florida in a habitat down there. A few years a uh, few years ago, I got to go live in a cave um, for about yeah. <laughs> My family wanted to send me there, but NASA actually took care of it for them. But I uh, went to live in a cave and explore this imma- immense cave system in uh, un- under the island of Sardinia with a multinational crew of astronauts and support staff. And, uh, you know, that just helps us uh, get ready for what it's like 197 days living off the only planet you've ever known. Hey, Rick, how did Dos Equis miss this guy? Like, yeah. You're the most interesting man in the world. But, but, but i got to tell you, there's some similarities here. You spent 200 days in space. You spent 10 days underwater. You lived in a cave. I went to Jewish sports camp for six summers. So we, we have a lot of similarities. <laughs> and, but you are a big O's fan. That's how this whole thing started. And you are from Maryland. Um, what, was this uh, kind of planned to, to bring the cap up and present, or just happened because you brought it up there? Um, I would. I wanted to give something to the team. I'm a lifelong Orioles fan. I was hoping it would bring them a little bit of luck last season, but that, that didn't work out so well. So <laughs> um, it was actually a good season. I left in March and landed in October. It was a good season to be in space. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know, the Orioles have, have meant a lot to me growing up. Of course, they mean a lot to the, the whole community and uh, just an opportunity to thank them for, for, for all they do for the community uh, and the state of Maryland. Well, I don't know if Kyrie Irving is listening, but can you tell us if the Earth is flat or not from your perspective? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I can confirm that uh, the only way you can orbit a planet is if it is, in fact, a sphere. So... uh, yeah, I think Kyrie's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Arnold, U.S. astronaut, he'll be at the Oriole game on Saturday presenting the team with a hat he brought to space. And uh, just fascinating story, Ricky. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks but, for your service. Thanks, guys. It's great to be home. Thank you. Yeah, I bet. Thank Appreciate you. it. Good to have you. Look, that's going next level for your team. I mean, you know, you don't change your socks for a playoff series or you sit in the same spot on the couch or you eat the same thing every day before a game, but that's, that's child's play compared to what an astronaut is doing, bringing a hat to outer space, outer space where so few human beings have ever been. He's bringing a hat to outer space. Come on. If there are sports gods, you've got to be able to reward an O's fan for bringing the hat closer to heaven. And finally, the softer side of sports. You know, we're always yelling and arguing, controversy here, scandal there, but how about when grown men cry, including Wilmer Flores, who played for the New York Mets for his career and recently changed teams in the offseason, and Mets fans will always have a soft spot of their heart for Flores because on a night in 2015, he thought he was traded. The crowd gave an ovation, and tears started welling up in his eyes. When have we ever seen professional ball players cry publicly because they were traded in the middle of a game? It was what Mets fans wanted to see. Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts are two lifelong Mets fans themselves on WFA in New York, and they interviewed Wilmer Flores. Now that that 2015 season is gone, that year the Mets went all the way to the World Series. What are Wilmer's reflections on that night? Here is Flores on with Joe and Evan. What happened uh, motivated us even more. Um, you know, it, it was just a fun year overall. Wilma, again, we're talking to Wilma Flores, of course, now of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Take us through that fateful night because I, you know, it's a, it's a night as a Met fan, July of 15, that I'll never, ever 
Forget. I mean, you know, you you crying on the field. You know, what what exact? How did it all transpire? Who told you that you had been traded? I mean, how how did that go down that night, Wilma? Well, well, I had no idea that I was I could get traded. Honestly, right? Okay. <laughs> I, I just had no idea um, it could happen or um, it was about to happen. But um, I was on the field. I went. I uh, came up to a bat and. You know, all of a sudden, this, the fans start cheering for me for no reason. And, you know, a minute later, I realized that we were on the trade deadline. And after I got out um, on a ground out, they uh, they gave me a statement ovation again. And after that inning, I came in... Um, I came in the clubhouse. I shouldn't say this, but I looked at my phone and <laughs> he said that was <laughs> that I was getting traded. <laughs> right, right. And I was still in the game, and you know that that's when everything happened out there. When I got a little bit emotional, and that was it. So you, it wasn't even a situation where somebody on the team, Terry Collins, or somebody actually told you it happened. You you found out about it on your phone. Yes, yes, <laughs> and obviously with um, you know with. Every every fan knew it because you know. Oh yeah, no, sure, right. Every they're, they're on Twitter and, and everything. So, um, it was. I was in the building that night, and I remember we were. I was one of the fans cheering you extra hard. I mean, I would always cheer you when you came up. I'm a Mets fan, but there was this bittersweet moment of I was genuinely excited about Carlos Gomez, but I remember thinking. I like Wilmer Flores. Ideally, I wouldn't right. want to trade you. And I think Zach Wheeler was in that trade, Zach too, Wheeler, by the way. Right, that's right. So, and, yeah. and by the way, Carlos Gomez is in AAA now yes. for the Mets. Thank God but, that trade didn't happen. So you hear the reaction and say, oh, this is this is different. Because I, I remember that game, the Mets, it was like 6-1, to 7-1. It wasn't a close game. It was just a bad, ugly, whatever kind mm-hmm. of loss. After you found out, because you heard the reaction, you said, let me see what's going on. It's the trade deadline. And you see reports are you're being traded. Did you tell anyone? Did you say anything to Terry Collins? Or did you just kind of keep it to yourself after you found out? No, I kept, I mean, I kept it to myself. Uh, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to, like, tell him or or just get me out of the game. Or, you know, it was my first time going through that. So uh, I did tell um um, our hitting coach at that time uh, came in loan, and uh, and David Wright, and you know, uh, David Wright told me, hey, you know, I because I was emotional. He was he was talking to me, and you know, he was telling me that you know, uh, Milwaukee wants you for a reason. You know, they he want they want you there, they want you to play every day, and, and it's a good thing. So um, he told me some good things. Mm. Do you think knowing what you know now that if Terry knew he should have just taken you out of the game, or what's your feeling on that? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, like I say, it was my first time going through that. I don't know what they should do when a guy's getting traded, what they should not. He'll forever be beloved in New York amongst Mets fans. Even though he didn't have a great career, even though he wasn't a perennial all-star, even though he's not an icon or a legend, He'll always have a spot in New York with Mets fans because of a night that he showed he cared just as much as they did about wearing the uniform. That'll do it. That's Around the Dial for Thursday, May the 2nd. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app.
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 